We began last week. Hebrews chapter 1. And believing in Christ is what Paul is teaching these Jews who were, I would say, among the lost sheep of Israel because they were gathered by Christ into the kingdom of God which is established here in the world through the knowledge of Christ. Bear in mind John 17 as the Lord was about to be crucified and prayed unto the Father. And He said these words, And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. The importance of belief in God. And as Steve showed us where it comes from. Last week we talked about how God spoke to our fathers past. Paul is talking to Jews. We made mention last week that they worshipped angels. The Pharisees believed in angels. The Sadducees did not. They worshipped angels. If you read the books of Josephus in Jewish history, you understand they even named certain angels different things. And he made point of how God spoken to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, the prophets, and how God spoke to them and gave them words that would come to us through the prophets, and how God in these last days when He took away the first covenant and established the second, has spoken to us by His Son, is appointed heir of all things, by whom He also made the worlds. These people worshipped angels. Paul is making the distinction that they were not to worship angels. They were to worship Christ, whom their brethren, from where God called them out from, had hated Christ without a cause because He would fulfill the law of Moses. He called Himself the Son of God. They hated Him without a cause. And Christ is making the point of all that they had and all that they worshipped, the worshipping of angels, the keeping of the law, is void and vain. He's talking about Christ being the brightness of the glory of God, the express image of His person, upholding all things created by the word of His power, when He had by Himself none other but Him, none other was capable, not an angel in heaven, none but Him, when He by Himself purged our sins, finished that work, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And here he begins talking about the angel specifically because remember these people were believers in Christ. God had touched them. God had called them. Just like you today, they faced the false doctrines of the world. They were their people of their nation were trying to bring them back under the law, back into the worshiping of angels being made so much better than the angels, talking of Christ. Don't worship the angels, worship Christ. As He had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, by inheritance from His Father, who is God in heaven, His inheritance 
He has a better name than the angels which God created. He's talking about angels. And he's talking about Christ. To show them they're not to worship angels, but worship the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, whom they rejected in ignorance and took and crucified. This man, remember man, the Son of Man, the Son of God, whom they had taken and crucified, who bore our sin in His body because God cannot suffer and the law demanded justice and this God came into the world as man, the second person of the Godhead, the Word of God was made flesh and redeemed us from our sins. He's finished that work. He's better than the angels. He has an inheritance more excellent name than they because He is the Son of God. For unto which the angel said, hey, at any time thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That was Second Samuel 7, I do believe. Where God was talking to David about Solomon, building the city of God, and all the things that God commanded him to build in the law service. And again, when He bringeth in the first begotten into the world, He saith, and let the angels of God worship Him. When He was born into the world, the had multitude of the heavenly host praising God because the very Son of God, the very Son of God was born into the world. We made mention last week in distinction between these two when He was the first begotten from the dead. That's relating to Psalms chapter 2. That's not talking about when He was born in the world. That's when He came forth from death, the first begotten from the dead. When Christ died upon the cross, when the Jews delivered Him up, uh, why did the people imagine a vain thing? They hated Him without a cause. The Jews delivered Him up. The rulers of the world, the rulers of the people, the Jews, the Romans, Pilate, and He was crucified and He was nailed to the tree. And when He died, and when He came forth from death, Thou art My Son, this day have I begotten Thee. Because He laid His life down. He raised it up again. He came forth from the dead. This as David said in Romans chapter 1, speaking of Christ, he was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead as he raised up and brought us with him from death. Let all the angels of God worship him of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. That's not talking about the ministry today. That relates back to the days of creation, the first six days. His angels are spirits. They're spiritual beings. Satan himself, not an angel, a cherub. Spiritual. And we see the angels, spiritual. We see the seraphims, spiritual. Spiritual creatures which God created who maketh His angels, His messengers, His servants, the ministry in that day, in that time that God had created to care for Adam and Eve and God's children who were made to minister unto them and to minister unto God. And His ministers, a flame of fire, they were spiritual beings that God created and placed in this world to care for His people. And I will tell you this, 
before we move on, as we did last week. They're around us today. We sang that song, The Angels of God. We have angels around us now. We do not see that God has placed into this world. They minister to God by ministering to us. And there's a flame of fire. The glory of God upon these angels that God created, which we know and we'll read in just a moment or two, are mightier than man. They're greater than man. They have more power than man. As I mentioned last week, one of them slew 120,000 Assyrians in one night. One angel came when David numbered the people. One angel would have totally destroyed the city of Jerusalem, but God stayed it. So you consider the power of an angel. They, were, they are spiritual beings and their ministers is a, are a flame of fire. It's no wonder why the natural man in the law and reading of angels, and I'm saying the natural man, would believe and teach to worship angels. But unto those God had given life among the Jews, among the lost sheep of the house of Israel, among the Gentiles to which the gospel was sent, have a revelation of God far more than the angels. They're talking about the Son of God. But unto the Son He saith, Thy throne, this is the 45th Psalm, Thy throne, Thy rule, Thy government, Thy judgment in judging all things created, Thy judgment in judging the wicked in this world and at the last day. When the tares shall be gathered from the wheat. When He separates the sheep from the goats. Thy judgment, His throne of His people. When He declared you innocent in judgment. When the blood of the Lamb of God was spilt, it says, but it was not spilt by accident. When it was deliberately placed upon every child of God, when Moses would sprinkle the books of the law, when Moses would sprinkle the altar, when Moses would sprinkle everything he was commanded to sprinkle the blood upon, showing us that Christ, obeying the Father's will, shed his blood for exactly those who the Father gave Him where the Father placed it. Moses put it exactly where He was commanded to do and Christ did the same with His blood. He rules. He reigns. But under the Son, He saith, this is not an angel. This is the Son of God. He is the angel of God. He's the archangel. He's the chief angel. He's the, the angel which redeemed me, Jacob said. He's the angel. The Lord said, Mine angel shall lead thee to the promised land. And that's here. And He leads you here. He brings you here. Thy scepter, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Without beginning, 
without end. Eternity past, eternity future. We mark it that way in our mind because we cannot comprehend eternity while we live in this body of flesh. And then we see pertaining to this body of flesh and pertaining to time and the created world, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. For by Him were all things created that are created. We talked about that last week. He rules over them. His throne is over them. It is, it has been, it always will be. The things that are today were known before the world was. God ordained things out that would happen in this world. These things are of God. These things concern Christ. And God suffers many things in this world today. But Christ from back in the realm of eternity, which has no beginning, has always ruled over and sat upon the throne that God has set Him upon. He's the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. A scepter of righteousness. The scepter in the king's right hand, the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Steve mentioned being with Christ and looking with Christ and not being able to comprehend why God would love us and why God would save us. The election of grace is the reason. I can't explain to you why He does. I just know that it's pleased Him to set His love upon you. But the scepter of righteousness, the judgment of God, Christ said, I came to do my Father's will. And this is the will of the Father which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. And back again in John 6, He says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. That makes it cut and dried in the election of grace and the righteousness of God that Christ would save those the Father gave Him. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And I'm going to go a step further because we're thinking about suffering this morning with the death of one that we love so dearly among the congregation. God suffers things to happen to us. And yet God is glorified in these things we sometimes don't understand. We don't have to understand why things happen all the time and most times we don't but we do know this that in everything that we face and everything we go through God is glorified because we know He shall never leave us nor forsake us and we know that everything we do face and we go through God delivers us from and in that He is glorified the final deliverance may be at death But death is the greatest deliverance of all because we're saved from this sinful world and from our flesh that we battle against daily. Thou hast loved righteousness. This is speaking of Christ. He sits upon 
the throne. His rule. His scepter. It's not talking about Solomon in Psalm 45. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ that God promised would sit upon the throne of David in this world. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. God is righteous. God is just. We've said this so many times. God cannot look upon sin. Sin cannot exist before God. Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, drive man from the garden, lest he take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and live forever in that sin-cursed condition that Adam had brought upon all mankind. That was mercy. That was mercy. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. God hates sin. God created government to be a terror to evil. We're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. God hates sin. But listen, dear brethren among the Jews, Paul is saying, this man, Jesus Christ, hath saved us from our sins. This covenant was made before the world was. God had given Him to sit upon the throne in this world because He is the Son of God. He is righteous. He hates iniquity. On the last day, this man, Jesus Christ, will separate the sheep from the goats. He's not the one the world portrays as a weak beggar. He's the one who brings judgment. He's the one that died for His people, defeated death, hell, and Satan. We'll see that in the next chapter. Listen, brethren, among the Jews, Paul was saying, this man, Christ, Loves righteousness. Hated iniquity. He is the Son of God. Therefore God, the Father, even thy God, speaking to Christ because He is God manifest in the flesh, had anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. God anointed Him with the Holy Spirit. Listen, brethren, these things are over our heads, okay? He married was conceived of the Holy Ghost. She was flesh and blood of the lineage of David. His father was God. Therefore, as he was conceived of the Holy Ghost, he was all God. Yet he was all man. When he was born in the world, God poured the Holy Spirit upon him in fullness of measure. He was not a sinner. He did not have inherited sin because his father is a God himself. He committed not a sin. He was perfect. He was all God. Yet he is also all man. We'll cover that in chapter 4. But he was all man. And he was anointed with the Spirit of God. The Father was his God. He loved the Father. 
He prayed to the Father every day. He manifested the love and power of God. He walked with God. He sought the Father. He sought to do the will of His Father. And according to John, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, He sought to obey God. It was His passion that He would die for His people to keep the will of God, to fulfill the law of God. This man, this man, his passion to save God's children. God anointed him with the oil of gladness. When he's baptized the river Jordan by John, we see the Godhead and three distinct persons. We see the Son of God, the Son of Man, and the river Jordan. To be baptized, John said, I have need to be baptized of thee. Christ said, suffer it to be so. And we see God in heaven and we hear Him, rather, for no man has seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared Him. We see Christ in the river Jordan. We hear God from heaven above. This is my beloved Son. And whom I am well pleased. And we see the Spirit of God. Three separate beings. Yet in perfect unison, power, holiness, and deity, we see the Spirit of God descending in fullness upon the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Paul is teaching these Jews who had been under the law and God had brought by His grace into the church of Christ, the kingdom of grace, about Christ. And Thou, Lord, speaking of Christ, in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was a without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, there's the living Word of God, let there be light. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. There's nothing made that was not made of Christ. All things created. The only thing not created is God. And thou, Lord, speaking of Christ, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth. He spoke and it was so. The earth's foundation was there. They say there's fire under the earth from the volcanoes. There are rivers of waters under the earth to water the earth. Because remember, the earth was watered from a mist when it was created until sin entered the world and God destroyed the earth and the flood and the, the firmament around the earth dropped water. The rain came because of sin. Floods because of sin. Tornadoes because of sin. Don't blame that on God. But understand this. Christ laid the foundations of the earth. Christ formed them all, and the heavens. I love to read about that telescope. Every week they are finding new galaxies, new planets, new stars, new moons. <laughs> They've gone out of our galaxy. This thing, was it in the 70s or the 80s that they sent that thing up? 
40 years later, 50, it's still going. It's still finding new things. Everything in the heaven it finds is created of Christ and testifies of His glory. That's what Paul is telling these Jews. They didn't have the telescope. They didn't need it. They didn't need the Ark of the Covenant. We don't need to see that. We live by faith. Christ is in us. We know these things are true because they're revealed to us by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And Thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens of the work of Thine hands. The heavens declare the handiwork of God. They shall perish, but Thou remainest. Everything created shall pass away. Our God is a consuming fire. When He comes... Son of Man appears in His glory. Everything, everything which is tainted with sin that God did not preserve will burn as an oven. They shall perish, but thou shalt thou remainest from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up. Steve's got a habit of bringing me pants. I'm bigger than Steve. And my waistline, he brings me his brother's pants. He says, you can wear them for painting pants. I'll wear them every day because they're better than any of the pants I've got. But the point being made here is you take them and you fold them up. And you place them in a closet wherever you place them. As a vesture. Shalt thou fold them up and they shall be changed. Some people take this to say the world's not going to be destroyed. I beg the difference. The Scripture says they shall burn as if they're in an oven. Rightly divide the word of truth. It will be changed. It will be a day of restitution. It will be a day when all things are created anew. Without sin. But thou art the same. Again, Malachi, the God the Father speaking to the Jews, for I am the Lord, I change not. Same purpose, same counsel, determination, absolutely God, absolutely cannot fail. I change not. My counsel shall stand. And God stands with His people. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, He is what He always has been, the living Word of God, the eternal Son of God. Let us make man in our image in the Godhead, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Godhead, eternal, all three equal in deity and power and holiness and royalty because He sits upon the throne. He is the King. Now regarding the worshiping of angels and Jews, Thou art the same, and thy years should not fail. But to which 
of the angels that the Jews worshipped said he at any time sit on my right hand a place of power the right hand is a symbol of power Christ is the right hand of God he sits at the right hand of God in his power now you consider this the sheep shall he sit on his right hand They are kept of Him. They are with Him. He is within them. He can never leave them. He can never forsake them. For He cannot lie. And remember God the Father, the same, who made commandment. Jesus said, My Father's commandment is everlasting life, eternal life. You're sitting at the right hand of God. You're sitting in the power of God. You're sitting in the covenant of God who cannot lie. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father. You're sitting at the right hand of Christ in the power of God. You remember the sons of thunder Your mother, I believe it was, said, Lord, let one of my sons sit at thy right hand and one at the left. She wanted her sons glorified. Well, they will be, but not like she wanted. They're glorified in Christ, not in themselves of power. But the point being, the Lord told her, you don't know what you ask. That's prepared for whom it is given. It is given to the elect of God, Jew and Gentile, Jew and Greek, to sit at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's in the covenant between the God, the Father, who changes not, and God, the Son, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, and God the Holy Spirit by whom the covenant was sealed. But to which of the angels said He at any time? An angel is a creature of God. They're spiritual. They are given eternal life. A lot of people don't realize this fact. That when God formed man from the dust of the ground, He breathed His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That body was made from the dust of the ground. That life, that spirit, that ghost, that soul came from the breath of God. Therefore, that body which is temporal and is laid down until Christ raises it up, but that spirit, that soul, does not die. It's always alive. When the body's in the grave, the soul is alive. And for a child of God, that soul is with Christ instantly. To which of these mighty, powerful angels, these spiritual beings as a flame of fire, 
You know, it's funny too, the things men say, the angels are female with blonde hair and a halo. That, you don't find that description in Scripture. The only time you see females mentioned in Scripture portrayed as angels is in the book of Zechariah. And they're both mentioned as pagan gods. Every time you see an angel in Scripture, it's a male. And most of the time, he's got a destroying weapon in his hand. Sometimes he brings a message, a trumpet, a gospel trumpet. Sit on my right hand. This is the Son of God. And remember the Son of Man in the flesh. Let that sink in. This man the only one able to stand in the glory of God, sit thou on my right hand in the presence of God. That's so vitally important. God made man in a body. Man sinned in a body. The body was condemned and is condemned. Yet Christ saved us body, spirit, and soul. And Christ now sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. We just talked about being on the right hand. So we realize that in our body, we shall be at His right hand. Sit on my right hand, the Father says to the Son, until I make thine enemies thy footstool, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. When the last promised heir of God is born of the Spirit of God, that's the last enemy to be destroyed, and He will deliver up the kingdom. I cannot see any reason why He would allow the sin-cursed earth to carry on any farther than will the Son of Man come in His glory. Paul talking to the Jews who believed and worshipped angels. But to which of the angels at any time sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool? He's speaking to them of Christ being higher than the angels and worshipping Christ and not angels nor the law. And then he says of the angels, are they not all, every one of them, ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. I don't know at what point God created the angels. It was sometime between day one and day six because God rested the seventh day because creation was complete. But He made angels. I suspect it was the last thing He made before He made man. Because He created the world, He created all the fish and all the light and all the grass and all the trees. And on day six, He created every creeping thing, the beast of the earth and man. If you see in succession, as God made it, everything He made was in preparation for the man He would create that He could live and reign on the earth. And I would expect that angels were created just somewhere before man. I don't know that. That's my thought. You don't have to take that. I do ask you to study upon it because everything was made as was needed up to the point man was made. They are ministers to man. The song we sang, the angels of God are among you and around you. 
Mention Gideon and all those chariots and horses of angels around them in battle. Speaking of the angels, are they not all ministering spirits created of God, he's telling these Jews, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. They are created to minister to you, God's child. And that's what He's telling them. But as He's telling them, worship Christ. The angel in Revelation, when John fell before his feet, what did the angel tell him? Worship God. What is Paul telling them? Worship God. Worship Christ. 